Hey, this is Cody. And Kevin. And Franklin. Thanks for joining us on the Conversations on Jesus podcast. Pull up a chair and hang out as we talk about who Jesus is and what that means for our lives. Hello and welcome to the Conversations on Jesus podcast. I'm Kevin and I'm here with Franklin and Cody. And we're continuing our walk through the Gospel of Matthew. And in particular, the Sermon on the Mount. How you guys doing? It's a beautiful day. Yeah. It is sun shining. Yeah, I mean, we had a little sprinkle this morning, but right. it's a great day. Yeah, spring's here. It's Summer. super nice out this yeah. afternoon. Summer's on the way. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we are, we just wrapped up chapter six in the last episode. And in this episode, we are picking up in chapter seven, going verses one through 12. Should we recap anything that we've talked about before? I mean, going all the way back to chapter five, we have the Beatitudes and then the conversation about the law. Jesus says he hasn't come to abolish but fulfill. And we talked about how that's not the same. Fulfillment is not the same thing as keep, although there's some keeping in that intermediate period before the law is fulfilled and that process to it. And then he had a lot of those. uh, You've heard that it was said, but I say to you. And we talked about murder, adultery, a number of other things. I'm blanking on them right now. Yeah. But (laughs) there there was a bunch in there. Yep. And then chapter 6 we uh, saw a little bit of a transition with the language and what was being discussed. So we talked about giving to the needy, but doing it in a way that didn't draw attention to yourself. Same with prayer. Um, We talked, I was just listening to one of our episodes the other day, and I can't remember which one, but we had a good discussion on how weird it would be to see somebody praying on a street corner so that people could look at them. But that's what Jesus talked about. Right. So... We talked through that. Um, fasting, storing up treasure either on uh, earth or heaven and how that shows where our heart is by where we value and place ultimate value for things. And then anxiety and worry we, we talked about. And then, okay, so now we're all the, way, all the way up to chapter seven, which is the last chapter in the Sermon on the Mount. Not that Jesus gave it in like breaks, you know, like he gave the first section, then took a break. And, but how Matthew is divided or not Matthew, he didn't divide this up, but how the chapters were divided up later on. This is our last section, but this is the culmination, I guess, of the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to get into um, a few topics here. So the first one is all in judgment. And Jesus says, do one of you guys want to read uh, maybe the first verse there, first couple of verses, and then we can talk about it? I have a quick question, just yeah. about this idea. So you think it was in chronological order, or we kind of just guessing? On the Sermon on the Mount, on how it was laid out. Like, like, like did Jesus preach it in this order? Yeah. Do or you did think, Matthew move stuff around? Yeah. Like, I mean, just kind of... Throwing it out there. Do you think it actually was the Beatitudes first, or was it maybe kind of just... That's a good question. Just a sermon, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, looking at Luke, right? Like, Luke's gospel is structured slightly different than than Matthew's here, right? And so it is a good question, but I don't know that we would ever be able to know. Right. And that, yeah, that part is like, oh, right. that yeah. sucks. But it is a it is a neat question. I mean, it's it's a similar question of were they given all in one sermon or not? Right. We talked about that in the first, yep. I think. Or was it say over a weekend? Or mm-hmm. how, you know what I mean? It it it's along those same veins for me. Right. Yeah. Yep. In Luke's gospel, this so some people say that this same sermon on the mount shows up in Luke, but Luke has 
edited it or only put in certain parts. I uh, disagree with that. I think that this is a sermon that Jesus gave over and over and over again as he went to different places, and it was different depending on who he was around. And so what we find in Luke is actually because he said it differently then. There were certain parts that he put in a different order. So I don't know for sure. I do know that the gospel writers are not bashful in moving around things that Jesus says to fit the story that they're telling. Well, it bothered me in the past that I thought I wanted the gospels to be like a video camera recording of everything that Jesus did. He walked over here and then he went to this house and then he healed this person. Well, you get problems when you come to the gospel of John and in the in the synoptics in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he cleanses the temple at the end of the story. It's the almost the first thing he does in the Gospel of John. In like chapter two, he's cleansing the temple. So did he do it twice? Or did John <laughs> no. move that up to the beginning of the story for a, a particular theological point? And is that okay for John to do? And so I mean it's clear that they did things like that. So Matthew could have moved things around. I don't like Cody said. I don't think there's any way to know for sure. Right. And I'm okay if he did. No, yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's one of those things where like it doesn't take away what we know about Jesus. Right. Right. Uh, and I think, I mean, I think about it like if it was today, right? And I picture Jesus is, you know, a traveling missionary of sorts, you know, that mm-hmm. same like concept. And so depending on if you're in Texas or washington state or guatemala your message is going to be slightly different right you know what i mean and and depending on who your audience is because as we know some of jesus's audiences were you know the the lesser of the less and others were you know not so much that royal officials you know what i mean and so right i don't think jesus is gonna give the same message word for word to a royal official that he's gonna give to the outcast yep and that's okay yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's cool. Though. Yeah, it was just one of those things that yeah. no, just sparked my uh, interest in asking a question. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll read the verses. So judging others, Matthew seven. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So that so that is Jesus's statement on judgment. Yep. Right. I mean, what a lot of people see is I think it might be the most popular misunderstood verse in the entire Bible for the times that we're living in right now. I think that like John three sixteen is probably the most popular verse in the Bible that people Christian or not different faiths, it doesn't matter, know what John three sixteen means. Yeah. But there's been enough of a cultural shift in our lifetime. And I think we're in the middle of it where Matthew seven, one now do not judge or you two will be judged has almost superseded John 3.16. But where I think more people understood what John 3.16 meant, I think people misunderstand what Matthew 7.1 means. Yeah, like John 3.16, they would uh, understand it and use it in the context of what it was meant or you you, uh, wrote for. Whereas here, they're like, well, this is what it says and this is what I think it means. Right. And it, it, this is what I'm going to make it mean. Right. Right. <laughs> John 3, 16, God wants to save the world. It's pretty clear. That's what it means. Yep. Matthew 7, 1, people read that, and not to generalize everybody, but I think a lot of people read Matthew 7, 1 and hear Jesus saying, don't judge anyone, when that's actually the opposite thing that he's saying. 
he's giving us instruction on how to judge people. And that, that verse is always applied, or it seems like it's always applied to say, don't judge lest you too will, or you too will be judged, meaning quit your judging. Mm-hmm. When, when, okay, so we can just get into what he's saying. In the context of 7 1 through uh, verse 5, he says, so in verse 3, he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust that's in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? All the time there's a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. Again, that theme comes up. Uh, first, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to do what? Judge and remove the speck from your brother's eye. Mm-hmm. It's a whole teaching on dealing with yourself first or letting God deal with you first before we turn around and point the fingers at anybody else. Yeah. For me, it was like, we have to look internally first to self, self-critique self before we can respectfully critique others. Right. That's that, that concept or that idea for me. And it's like, it's not to say, you know, that it's never going to be possible because God can use us. But before we turn our focus outward, how can we what, what grounds do we have to stand on mm-hmm. right. to, to say, Kevin, you know, you shouldn't be doing this right. when behind closed doors I'm doing this or that or whatever myself. Like if I'm not willing to address that, then what, why, why am I addressing you for what I see as your wrongdoings? I'm, right. not the, I'm not the judge, the jury. Right. Like that's right. not my role. And that comes up for Paul in Romans. I think in Romans 1, early on in the letter, Paul talks about people preaching against a particular activity, stealing or adultery or whatever. And then he says, well, you guys who preach against that, don't you do the same thing? So who are you to tell somebody not to do? It's the same, it's different language, but it's the exact same meaning that Jesus is saying here. Paul wasn't saying, don't correct anyone if they're stealing. He's saying, Quit being a thief first, <laughs> and then you can go correct somebody. You know, and that's what Jesus is saying here. Yeah. You want to judge somebody? Okay. Well, with whatever measure you use on somebody, it will be measured to you. Right. Whatever you're doling out, be ready to to get in return. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So then the the next verse: Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Mm-hmm. So when I first like read that verse. It's like kind of hard to understand or different or whatever. Seems like it's in like out of place. Yeah. yeah. So then I went and looked at the, the King James Version mm-hmm. and it says, don't give holy things to depraved men mm-hmm. instead of do not give dogs what is sacred. And it's like that understanding was much easier for me to say, okay, yeah, this this verse makes sense with the, the judging others that Jesus is talking about before. Yeah. Like you're not going to give to someone who is you know hungry and is who is seeking more in a depraved state like right. it, like it says and expect that it's not going to be torn through and destroyed in the process right right holy and valuable things should be given only to those who appreciate them like to, to so to use that example a depraved mind or whatever why are you wasting pearls on somebody who's going to be who doesn't care about them anyways don't don't give that not that you don't want to help that person but in judging in working through and seeing where they are and categorizing okay can they receive this now or is this something that they don't even care about well if they don't care about it then why waste your time Mm -hmm. giving them you know something they don't care about anyways yeah and 
even I mean even you uh, positioning it like that even makes me think of like so in in the context of judging others like determining where at your trust should be with them yeah right you know as as an individual like that's what just came to mind is like you know you have to judge them not in a way of like hey you're doing wrong there's that but there's also the okay I'm judging you to d- determine you know, what's the extent of our relationship. Right. And I hadn't thought of that until, like I said, just now as you're going through it, like Mm -hmm. I have to determine that, right? Because if you're depraved mind, you're not going to be thinking along the the realms of living a kingdom world or a a kingdom life. And so am I going to want to surround myself with you? Right. And and judging them in that way, not that, like you said, you don't want to help them. Right. Because I mean, you want to, be loving to them, wearing right. love on them, but determining where at in, in your life they need to, mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. And this, you mentioned it, but again, this all being in the context of this is how life works in the kingdom of heaven. To apply these truths to the world and say the world must abide by them, you're going to you know, bang your head up against the wall over mm-hmm. and over again. It's not going to receive it ever, which kind of goes with verse 6. But again, it's not a checklist to say we need to be doing this and not doing that. This is in the kingdom of heaven. This is how judgment works. It works first on you, then you help others. And the judgment here, Jesus isn't saying, it's not in the context of work on yourself so that you can bear your brother when you catch him doing the thing that you were doing. It's so that you can help him. Right. Take the plank out of your eye, a big piece of wood out of your eye, so you can take the little speck out of theirs. They just need a little help. It's not, you fool, why do you have a speck in your eye? Knock it off. It's, you know, it's all out of love, as you said. Right. It's not to speak down to them. Exactly. Well, and I always think of it like if I have been through something mm-hmm. and I know how someone can be feeling as they're going through that and where they may fall, I'm going to want to reach back my hand and I'm going to want to help them through that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. So then we get to ask, seek, knock, mm-hmm. uh, verse 7. Do you want to read it or do you want to? Just talk about it. Yeah, you can read it. Okay. So ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For anyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything... Do to others what you would have done, have them do to you, for this sums up the law of the prophets. Yeah. What do you think is going on in there? The question mark for me was, why the reference of ask, seek, knock? Okay. So like that concept of like Jesus explaining it, Mm -hmm. like where did that come from? So I think of like a messenger. If you don't know where someone's at back in these times, you're going to ask someone, maybe seek, ask, knock is what I'm thinking of, kind of in a different order. So like if I'm going from town to town, I'm seeking someone. I'm asking, and then I'm going to knock on the door and ask them where they're at. Yeah. Kind of like a, I, th- I think of a literal sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It was just a question of like a lot of the other references throughout Jesus' Sermon on the Mount were super easy for me to say, okay, yeah, you know, this is where that inspiration came from. Or oh, like, this is where I can, you know, make that connection. But with this one, I'm like, it seems a little more challenging than like a literal, like the narrow and wide gates or the judging others with the plank and the, the sawdust. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Like that connection, super easy to make. I see. But with this one, it was like asking not like, so the, I know the, the fish and the snake part, but 
why the ask, seek, knock? Yeah. I don't know why in particular Jesus decided to use those uh, three different words, but it makes sense to me that in context, he's talking about, so in verses nine and following what you had just mentioned about the snake and the stone. So which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So it seems to me that in the context, it's he's using asking and seeking and knocking as a wordplay on what prayer is. That in prayer, what do we do? We ask things of God, we're seeking him, and we are pestering him for whatever we're it's as if we're knocking at the door yeah that's i mean i can't say for sure that's what but that's what comes to my mind when i'm looking at it yeah and like when i question it it it's more of like a is there a reference that i'm missing or not understanding like from the old testament or something yeah oh i see what you're saying you know what i mean like what is the like was there something that jesus is drawing off of i see for that section Mm. because i just i don't know Mm. off the top of my head and couldn't necessarily find it so yeah not so much a hey kevin like that rhythm ask seek and knock like yeah like where did that i see yeah yeah i don't know that it does i'm sure that it does i mean i don't think jesus says anything just by coincidence right and and i guess that's where i'm getting at is like yeah everything is so you know this is the way it is because it's jesus right he knows what he wants to teach and and do right just wondering i just was curious i think he's a good teacher and good teachers know how to say things so that we remember them and if he were to say ask and knock well okay that's good but there's something about the saying something three times where it trips up in our brain ask seek knock even if you don't really know what he's talking about you'll remember that phrase there were three things that he said mm-hmm. that he wants us to do. And, yeah. you know, he's a, a good teacher, so he knows how to mess with those words a little bit um, to get us to remember. Yeah, no, that's true. And, yeah, just it was an interesting section for me yeah. as I'm going through the Sermon on Mount. Like, hmm. Yeah. Easy to make the connection with these couple sections, but that one was a little more challenging for me, yeah. I guess. What comes to my mind is persistence in prayer. Jesus is, seems like he's saying, don't stop talking to God about the things going on in your life. Like, like, don't stop asking him for things. Ask, seek, knock, keep going. And then he uses us as an example that people, although they're evil, know how to give good gifts to other people. A dad won't give his son a snake when he asks for bread or whatever. And then says, okay, so if you know how to do that, how much more <laughs> will God, who is not evil, give good gifts to those who ask him? Which is the, it's a similar way of saying when he was talking about the birds of the air if he cares for them how much more will he care for you you know you're worth more than many sparrows yeah and here you um get good gifts from people who are evil turn to the one who is really good and ask him and he will always give you good because that's who he is and and then and then by implication or application or whatever it is whatever we receive from god is good by default there's nothing that we receive from him that we can turn around and say 
well, that was a bad gift. Right. He's always going to give us good gifts, which then helps me or or sets me up so that when I receive things from him, I no longer have to run it through the grid to say, was this good or bad? I move forward with the idea that it's good. Just Right, just knowing the fact that yeah. God isn't going to give us bad gifts. Right, so I trust him there first, then I deal with whatever he gives me. And not everything is easy. Some things are really tough and weigh on me and are difficult and are terrible points in my life. But if they come from God, then they're good. Right. And I don't have the opportunity to say that was bad. I have the opportunity to say, in what way was this working good for me? Yeah. Just because it may have been unpleasant for us right. in the time doesn't mean that it wasn't doing us good Exactly. in the, in the long run and, and from God. Right. Yeah. Right. I always think of Joseph and his brothers come to the end of the book of Genesis and he's ruler of Egypt or second in command and his brothers are terrified that he's going to put him to or that he's going to put him to death because of all the junk that they've put him through and he says what you meant for evil God meant for good you know you so the terrible things that happened to Joseph with being tossed in the cistern being sold into slavery being put in prison was all good even though it was terrible for him as he was going through those, every good gift comes from God. Every gift that comes from God is good. And so um, Joseph realized that, and I, I try to walk in his footsteps, at least with that, but obviously Jesus' footsteps, how he teaches this. Yeah, for sure. What always hits me is, so when we ask for strength or the ability to persevere or different abilities where we feel like we could be lacking, where we feel that God could grow us, and then those opportunities arise. And then um, sometimes we step up to the plate and we handle what God gives us. And other times we default and we're like, yeah, God, I know this is what you wanted me to do, but I'm not going to do it. Or we just don't realize it, even though it's like that. You're staring at the ocean and you're calling it like fresh water. Right. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but it, it's like the realization, like I'm going to ask for strength. God is going to put me in a position where I could definitely grow in strength. Yeah. And then I'm going to be stretched. That's and, right. Yeah. 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 It's like, uh, this sounded good at the time, but, uh, God can, can we wait on this one? Right. Can we lighten like, up the load? Just look. Right. Bit. Well, it's <laughs> like when you say that, what comes to mind is like, oh, you know, the, the phrase, oh, don't ever pr- ask for patience. Don't ever pray for patience. Right. Because God will test your patience. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, he will. He, yes. I mean, if, if you're asking him to, to grow you and stretch you in, in terms of the ability of having patience, he's going to do it. He's going to put you around impatient people. Right. So that you can be patient. patient. Yeah. And, and put you in those situations <laughs> right. that, you know, they're going to push you to the limit. Yeah. But, that, I mean, God is good and he's giving good gifts. Yeah. And, you know... There's a reason that we ask for patience. Because the, the Holy Spirit put on our hearts. Right. You it, know what I mean? And, yeah. and so then we work through it. Right. And, and and just like Kevin said, even though like it's tough in the short term, it's great in the long term. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then he, um, Jesus in this, in verse 12 says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you for this sums up the law and the prophet. We've seen that language already where Jesus says, um, well, earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Um, and then later on in the gospel of Matthew, he will talk about how loving God and loving others is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And here it's the same type of thing. Mm-hmm. What what always catches me with this verse, and it caught me again as I worked through it, was I have a hard time uh, figuring out how verse 12 is the so or therefore of verses 7 through 
11. I don't know how those how that connects together very well. Yeah. Um, I get, well, we can talk about that, but I didn't know if you guys had thought about that or, or maybe you have any insight into there. Yeah, I mean, it, like you said, though, like it, when you have that type of statement, the if-thens or the, the mm-hmm. so's and that's, like it, it usually means whatever was said prior right. Right, is done for this. Yeah. And it, like you said, it just it doesn't, the two and two don't necessarily jive as easily here. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'd have to look at the ESV. Does the ESV put 12 with that same section? Uh, no, it's actually in, they break it there. So okay. that's, yeah, that's a good point that not every English translation has that as part of the end of the paragraph. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of them do. They all, well, I guess I can't even say that. There might be a translation thing there. Some of them say, um, just say then in everything, treat others as you would in, in that section. Some say, uh, so ESV says, so whatever you wish, but then it's in another paragraph. So gotcha. I'm not sure exactly how it all fits together there. Right. Um, but yeah, it's not a huge deal for me right now. I'd like to figure it out eventually. Right. But I think the, the do what others would have them do to others what you would have them do to you stands out to me because just the other day I was reading something online or I was watching a video and they were talking about in today's world, whatever that means, the way that um, we should be interacting with people is to treat them how they want to be treated, mm-hmm. not how we want to be treated. There's the golden rule, and then now there's a platinum rule. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the golden rule is do unto others as you want done to yourself. Right. The platinum rule is do unto others as they would want to be done to them. And I reject that. <laughs> yeah, I do. It might be like, good, but I don't like that. I I don't understand what the yeah. I mean, and that's I mean, the golden rule is clearly referenced to verse like this, right? And then the platinum rule is like it's that idea of you know other people should be put above yourself and in, in your thinking. Yeah, I don't and know. Like, is, is that the motivation behind it? I that's guess kind of what it sounds like to me. And this is the first time I'm, I'm ever hearing of it. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, the, uh, in the business world. In like office world, it's pretty common. Okay. Like I, I've heard it numerous times at previous job and like going through school. Sure. Like the platinum rule is, and that's why I knew what it was. Is that's that's common. Like yeah. do to others as they want them. As, yeah, as, as they want to be treated. Yeah, as, or yeah, treat others how they want to be treated. Mm-hmm. That, which I don't, I don't disagree with that. Like and, I don't want to treat somebody poorly. Right. But I don't understand why that is elevated over what Jesus says here. I don't understand how that improves on it. Well, and I think it's the basis of it's coming from the world. Yeah, right? probably. And, and so the the relation for me would be like customer service. Yeah. Like that's, I, without 100% researching it, yeah. that's where it, um, my mind goes to is like customer service, right? Like yeah. um, that rule probably started in like a customer service focused sure. area. Sure. And that would be the motivation, right? Because when your profession is customer service, yeah, you need to treat them how they want to be treated. Right. I mean, I think of like a waitress, you know, they, they're yeah. not going to, you're not going to treat someone or do something because, well, you do it. Right. You're going to do it because they, you know, like water with lemon. Like if a waitress gives you, a water with a lemon in it and you don't like water with lemon like for me that would be where oh. that platinum yes yeah, see and i see that as a different application that's just like doing what they ask you to do mm. i can do that but i'm going to treat you how i want to be i want to be loved so i'm mm-hmm. going to be loving to you but again you're also looking at it from <laughs> well yeah a that's kingdom perspective exactly so, yeah, and, so, and that's where it's right. it's hard because when we look at it from a worldly perspective 
it sounds great. Right. It sounds fantastic to, you know, that that's how everyone should be treated. Right. Well, that's because people lost touch of what it means to treat yeah. others how you would want to be treated. I think so too. They don't, they don't have that context. Right. And so then it has to become, well, treat others how they want to be treated. Right. And that, I mean, that's the world we live in. But right. like I said, I, th- I think it would be based on probably a customer service focused sure. area of where it would have originated um, because that's that's the way that customer service is treated nowadays yeah. and taught is to do that, go that extra mile. I mean, I think of like uh, companies like Chewy, right? The dog focused brand, like mm-hmm. they send flowers if your dog passes away. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, they go above and beyond because it's this idea of what business world calls corporate social responsibility. Right. Like, right. You have to think <laughs> about your environmental and like all that stuff. Yeah. I think of like Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Right. Some of the recent comments they made uh, got them to not sell any pop. Yeah. Right. You walk in and Pepsi sold out. Right. They didn't make a comment, but Coke did. Yeah. And the Coke is filled on the sh- You know what I mean? Right. So it's that idea. And that's where a lot of it would stem from is businesses have to think a lot more about overall impact. Right. And so then they have to teach their employees, like you might not like it and we might not agree, but yep, you do it anyway. Right. And I get that you're part of the world. I mean, um, we, when we talked with Ken, we talked about being in the world and out of the world and how all that works. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, you know, I, I understand you work for a business and you got to jump through some hoops, but I'm good with sticking with what oh, Jesus absolutely. said. Here, you know? Absolutely. I oh, think yeah. it's, it's good enough. And I, and I, I'm not, not trying to rail against company. They can do whatever they want. I don't right. care, but it, it just stood out to me because I happened to hear that the other day. Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, we read this and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, it stood out to me then, Yeah. but it didn't bother me like it did now. When I looked at this, I'm like, yeah, they're just messing with mm-hmm. like, they're trying to improve and eh, whatever. It's okay. Yeah. Well, and it goes back to that foundation of we know what Jesus meant for the word love. Right. And what that action looks like in life. Right. And other people don't. Right. And that's the way they live their lives. And we try to live ours as close to the kingdom as we can and apply that to to the things around us. Right. And maybe as we continue to grow and live more like we belong in the kingdom of heaven, then there would be less and less need for messing with things like that. So, um, you know, maybe my frustration is in the wrong area. You know, okay, so judging others, I mean whatever, however that works, Mm -hmm. but to look inward and say, okay, are you living out, am I living out my life in such a way that I wouldn't even have to worry about what they say because they're never going to have a problem with what I do because I'm, I'm walking (laughs) by what Jesus has said. So yeah, yeah. I mean, not even thinking like that, but I mean, it's true. Right. Then outsiders never going to have, you know, if we're living in the kingdom, right. They're they're not going to have to worry about us ever. Right. Living by the platinum rule. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> the platinum rule, that kills me. Because <laughs> the gold rule is plenty good enough when you live in the kingdom. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, so, that, yeah, that's the first half of, of chapter seven. And yeah. Catch you on the flip side for the second half of chapter seven. And that's right. D- dig deep into it. Wrap up the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah.